Hey, Metalheads, after last week's extremely long episode with Chris Bennett, I thought we'd uh, scale it back this week, a little bit of discussion, and then a really nice interview we did with Mike Portnoy, and all of this should come in in a little bit under an hour. Enjoy. Hey, this is Mike Portnoy, and you're listening to Focus on Metal. Well, we're in business. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> so anyways, uh, welcome once again to another week of Focus on Metal in the studio here with Richie. How you doing? All right. Um, sort of once I square away what the hell else is going on with the uh, with the audio system here. but uh, uh, You won't get any help from me. <laughs> but uh, a little bit of duct tape and bailing wire, and I got us uh, at least good to go for now until I figure out what the hell went wrong. But anyways, uh, how are we doing? I'm great. Good. Great. Good. It's on your mind. Yeah. Talk about the uh, gigs we're at recently. Sure. Yeah. So we went, first one we went to see was Striper. Yeah. In Malden. Yeah. yeah. Um, awesome venue. Not. N- not. <laughs> it's um. We've never been in it before, and uh, <laughs> if you're standing in the middle of the floor, there's a pillar in the way. It right in front of the stage, and. Um, if just bad planning, whatever way they... Yeah, I mean, it's a venue that's been around for a while. That's just kind of how it is. It's this, you know, live music, sports bar, restaurant, bowling alley. Yeah, it's one, <laughs> it's one of these places that I've noticed bands have gone through and I've kind of thought that, yeah, I might go and see them and then, nah. Yeah. And we just, we got hooked up and um, we went to see the show and the venue was not great. Yeah. Um. And then, of course, I thought the sound in the beginning was bad. It was just, it was Yeah, well, that was fine. It was for Mass. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not going to, I'm not really a fan of them. They do what they do. They've done it for a long time. Yeah, they have. They're they pretty play, much local they played. They played a lot longer than I thought they would. They must have played for an hour. No, they played a lot longer than you hoped they would. Well, yeah. <laughs> Um, a couple of the songs are okay. The singer's pretty good. Yeah. They're one of these bands that uh, they seem to support every everybody, pretty much everybody. Yeah. I've well, seen them support five or six different bands now. Yeah. Okay, all- again, they were you know they've been local favorites for years, and as you said, they've just been they've been just plugging away, just doing it forever. So uh, I mean, hey, good for them. To no, good keep for going, them. But, no, yeah. it is good for them. And just you know, every time I see them, I try and because I've seen them so yeah. often. Yeah. And um, I try and. Miss them, to be honest. Um, but you know they 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 were okay. They were just they played for a little bit too long. I thought, mm-hmm. and like, Striper didn't come on till after eleven. Yeah, and um, it was a Thursday night, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the Thursday. Yeah, it was a week uh, Thursday. Yeah, it was during the week, wasn't it? No, it was no, it was a Friday. It was a Friday night. And um, so they came on at about. 11-ish. Yeah. And the sound in the beginning, I thought, was awful. Very yeah. bad guitar sound. And it improved a little bit as the night went on, but um, still a good live band. Um, stage is very small, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't think that, I mean, overall, I thought that the sound was pretty decent, uh, except for the vocal drawer outs and a few other things. But, uh, yeah, I'm, 
for the venue, for the room size, for all that. Yeah, it, it was the sound wasn't too bad. But yeah. yeah, small stage. Yeah, it was pretty. I was very happy with the set list because yeah. um, they did some new stuff. They did a really a real mixture of their catalog. Um, yeah. The only to help to help with the devil stuff they played was a medley. Mm-hmm. At the end. At the end, yeah. And they played songs. They played three songs from Against the Law, and I was really happy with that. And um, they played the hits, yeah. of course, and then Soldiers on the Command and, and all that. But they they played a few deep cuts. And they didn't play honestly. They didn't. I've, only, <laughs> I've, I've seen Striper four times now, and I've only ever seen him do it once. Yeah. And that was in Hampton Beach. Uh-huh. And I went to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think every man in the place probably went to the bathroom. But... um. They did say that they're they're doing a, a 30th anniversary tour in uh, in a few months' time, yeah. and they're going to play the whole album, uh-huh. Tell of the Devil. So maybe that's why they didn't do it on this run. Maybe. But, um, yeah, we hung around afterwards for the after show. Yeah. Hanging around for a long time. Yeah. And um, we did get to meet, uh, we met Oz Fox. Yeah. Um, we didn't met, we didn't talk to Tim, did we, at all? Didn't talk to Tim at we all. We talked to Robert for yeah. a little bit. I asked him uh, how often did he actually... Play, play his kid facing the audience yeah. because the size of the stage meant he couldn't turn the kid right. sideways yeah. and he said he doesn't do it that often and uh, then of course we got a chance to talk to uh, to Michael and uh, our friend Ethan Broche was there he was yeah, hanging uh, out he's on the new uh, Michael on Sweet Michael's solo album, solo album yeah. and I believe uh, the bundles for Rat Pack are coming out in the next couple of days for the yeah I, Sweet I thought album. it was um no, I thought they were actually uh, available. No, I believe it's tomorrow or Saturday. Oh, okay. When we're recording this, of All course. Right. But um, they should, they'll definitely be out by the time people get to hear this. Yeah. So I'm inter- I'm sure the bundles are the usual multi you know, T-shirts Probably. yeah, and phone calls. and Yeah, they got good bundles. So. Yeah. 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 So, of course, I'm hoping to get Michael back on the show again. Yeah. When that comes out. Cause, yeah. Well, he said he would. So. Yeah. So that's supposed to be a really heavy album. <laughs> Got 
And of course, the other show we went to see was uh, Lynch Mob. Yeah. And uh, I've got a little bit of a history with Lynch Mob. Um, <laughs> and uh, they were supposed to support, uh, or they supported Queensryche on the Empire Tour in Dublin and didn't do the Dublin show. And Anthony Esposito told me why. Yeah. So in the Mick Brown interview, I'm yeah. not going to spoil it by saying it here. I, I, I asked him, was it true? So Mick gives an answer on that. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, when I moved over to the States, I'd never seen Dokken and I'd never seen Lynch Mob. Yeah. And, of course, the same night Dokken were playing in Hampton Beach, which was 40 minutes north, yeah. Lynch Mob were playing 40 minutes south yeah. on the same night. Yeah. And I had to choose. So I choose Dokken. Yeah. Because I'd never seen Don. Right. And um, we were just fortunate enough, Sean McNabb, yeah. good friend of the show, hooked us up with uh, tickets to see lynch mob and they were late getting to the venue and we didn't really get a chance we yeah. talked to sean for about a couple of minutes yeah and um you know they, were, they had to do their own sound check and everything and they're playing bars yeah which, yeah you know kind of surprised me and there wasn't that many people had it well no i mean it was from where we were it was uh it was kind of hard to see but uh another one of my buddies did actually go to the show when the dude i was looking for he was there Oh, okay. But he was, he said he, where he was, and there was so many people, he was on the other side of the room, you could barely see the stage. It was, he said it was all, it was all packed. In. Okay. So he said it was, yeah, uh, like packed house. Mm. And of uh, course, who was behind us? Ethan Broche. Yeah, Ethan Broche. <laughs> um, you know, I thought it was a cool gig uh, just because you almost got a sense of, you know, going back to, to, uh, um, Bob Nelbandian's Inside LA Metal series and talking about, you know, George Lynch and the boys, you know, back 78, 79. And, and obviously, you know, they didn't come east and stuff to, to really get like a, uh, like a George Lynch club show. Mm. That to me was kind of what it was like, you know, the fact that, I mean, we were, you know, basically side stage. And um, so, you know, really nobody in front of us at all. And uh, to see George just kind of doing his thing. And and then and just doing what he wanted through the set. I mean, the fact that they were jamming on songs, jamming on new ideas, throwing songs on that weren't in the set list. I mm-hmm. mean, it was. How often do you get to go to a show like that these days with with uh, like a big name like that? That you know, he just kind of starts noodling around and tells Jimmy to rec- you know, hey, record this, mm-hmm. you know, and, and recording riffs and their sound check was basically just them deciding to just jam jimmy put down a beat and i that was sean kind of went went into it and that was amazing because they were late yeah and everybody was there yeah and they all went up on stage and just plugged in and jammed like normally that's all done way before anybody Uh is in the venue and just to see him do that like jimmy puts down a beat and then george starts playing this riff and then sean automatically just goes joins in yeah it was like wow holy shit of course only was off somewhere hiding hiding. he's the lead singer's disease (laughs) I'm not coming on before the show starts, but the one thing I would say is um, I wasn't a fan of him reading lyrics. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, that was, at this stage, I think, you know, you should know, have a fair idea now what the lyrics of the songs are, right. especially the ones that are yours, uh-huh. that you've sang on. Yeah. Um, but interesting, um, interesting set list. Yeah. Um they played some new stuff. Yeah, they threw Testify in there. I yeah. was happy about that. Uh, 
you know, twentieth century man that started off with from smoke and mirrors. Yeah. It was like, holy shit, you know, yeah. played some docking stuff, did Mr. Scary. Yeah. He did the solo for Tooth and Nail in front of me and my <laughs> jaw was on the floor and I don't even play. <laughs> um he did he did actually man, George actually came up to the mic once or twice and did say that they've released stuff since nineteen ninety one. And there, there was one guy kept asking for uh one of the new tracks off um off the new album Revel. Yeah. Um Peppermint um Oh, I can't think of the name of it. But um he asked he kept shouting it out and I think George acknowledged him at one stage. Yeah. Um but great gig. He did Wicked Sensation, he did All uh, I, I, all I it, Want, yeah. River Love River Love. Yeah, River did, Love. Yeah. Did that. Um didn't do anything from the self titled second album. Yeah. Uh which is probably my favourite. I thought he might do Tangled in the Web or something like that, yeah. but he didn't. And uh you know, that's one, another one off my list I've seen now is George Lynch. Yeah. And I, I can't get any closer to the guy playing. No, no. Like, I was deaf in the place. But um, great musician. probably deaf from that guy next to you screaming, California music. Oh, what a dickhead. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? California music. Like, what are you on about? He's from fucking New Hampshire on the East Coast and he's it's shouting California music. Like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> Between that and then the other two people next to you doing the selfies leaning in in front of the band like are you kidding me really yeah but watch the show they played for an hour and a half um jimmy deanda great drummer rock solid um i think that's the band on the new album that they've jimmy did great yeah he did really really good solid yeah and sean yeah solid and just even um watching him you know you, you listen to testify right and you get one sense of it listening to it but watching that guy do the beat to it that was pretty complex what he was doing mm. between the, the the beats and and then mutant things and it's almost like he needed to have an extra hand to do it and do you that, think that was his kit yeah you think it was his yeah. kit someone set oh, it yeah. up beforehand yeah because george only mentioned the, the guitar tech he never mentioned nothing about a drum tech or anything like that. It's a tech tech. I'm sure he's he's doing the, everything. He's making not, the coffee. Yeah, that and, was that was his. Okay, um, but I mean, he was yeah. That was it. Was actually pretty mesmerizing watching him do that. I mean, when, when you get a drummer that's doing something like amazing and makes it look simple to you, unless you really watch him and you're like, wow, like he was doing something amazing on that song. That was very very cool watching him do that. Oh yeah, he's solid. Um, solid but he was yeah he was great all the way through um obviously sean did awesome you know kind of really refereeing the whole thing and 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 holding it down and kind of i don't know if he's the official md or the unofficial md but uh yeah he did a great job with that too and uh the fact that you know both him and george doing vocals along with uh with oni and stuff was you know was pretty good well when i saw docking the bass player was sean mcnapp yeah yeah. so he's one of these guys that He's a great bass player and he can sing and yeah. that's going to get him indoors everywhere. Yeah.
So, of course, the other news that's come out, speaking of George and Dawn, is uh, the reunion. Yeah. Six shows in Japan uh-huh. for a shitload of money. Oh, good for them. Yeah. Um, any thoughts on that? You know, I didn't think it was really going to happen. Of course, it still hasn't happened yet. <laughs> I, I think it's done. It's going to happen. I think that the big thing was uh, the money was won. I think Don's even come out and said that. He said, I'll do it for X amount of money, thinking no one would ever pay pay that amount to him. And he, I they can't said blame yes. him for doing that. No, not at all. You know, good Here, for him. He's He owns the name. He's probably going to get a, a sizable chunk of yeah. that. And he said to the three guys, he said, listen, we can go for six six days or a week over yeah. to Japan and make a shitload of money in a yeah. week. And they went, yeah. Oh, I can, I'll, I just... It just reminded me, you know, the end of Spinal Tap there, you know, where, <laughs> where you know, he's going to Nigel. Hey, you know, we're Japan, a lot of money, you know, and, you know, here's Nigel, like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm back in the van, we'll do it, you know, <laughs> just kind of reminded me of that. Um, but, hey, you know, great. If they can get a payday, you know, good for them, you yeah. know. I think the big thing for me about that is it, it dons vocals. Uh-huh. Um, like George and Jeff and Mick can all still, of course, play. Yeah. Um, and Jeff can still sing. But, yeah. You know, they're going to be doing all the early stuff. And I've seen Dokken and there's videos out there. And you, I've seen him do Kiss of Death and he just can't sing it yeah. at all the way it used to be done. And I think that's the big X factor in this. Now, whether Don can do something with his voice between now and then, I, I don't know. But... Probably I can't, not. I probably mean, not. I, mean, I think it's going to be tough. Yeah. I mean, it's not like it's something where he didn't sing for, you know, 15 years and he's trying to do it and he's croaking him out or something. I mean, it's just, I mean, his, it's, you know, he's human. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And uh, that's just deteriorated on him. And I don't think there's really much he can do about it. I know, but there's certain songs that, you know, he's going to struggle on. Yeah. Um, like I, I just clips up on YouTube I'm in '88, doing um, "Lightning Strikes Again" off the Under Lock and Key album. Yeah, and he hits all the all the vocals right. on it. And I saw an interview recently with Jeff Pilson. You know, were they thinking of doing that album in its entirety because it's thirty years old? And I'm thinking, there's no way Don can do that album because no. he can't do half the songs on it. Oh yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's just going to be a greatest hits thing. Um, I think Jeff's going to be busy singing background vocals. Oh yeah. Um, and the the word is that they've they're working up one new song to play in the set, which I think would be nice. Yeah, yeah. There was words about that. Um, yeah. but fair juice to him. Big payday. I asked when I spoke to Mick Brown, he was honest about it. Yeah, the money is great. He could do with the money. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to knock him. a guy. Yeah. for that, especially yeah. especially guys in the mid. Now, if they don't if. If they're in their mid fifties and probably early sixties, right? Yeah. If they can't get it together for a week without any shenanigans happening. There's, there's something wrong with, with them at this stage in their life. Seriously. Ah. Well, Six shows and that's it. I don't know. Uh, you know. I mean, to do it right, you, the, you know, the chemistry has to be has to be there too to play with people. It's it does affect how you play when you like just can't stand the person next to you. It really does. 
Yeah, but sometimes, I don't know, time's a great healer. You change a little bit and hopefully everybody changes a bit. And like, there's nothing, as far as I know, there's nothing after this. Once yeah. this is done, it's done. Yeah. It's it's one of these, we're closing the chapter on it. Right. And then Don is going back to his old band and going out as docking again. Right. Which I think might piss off some fans over here. But, you know, that Japan are paying them a shitload of money and maybe they're not doing it over here. You know, maybe Don just says, right, a week's enough. Yeah, it could be, yeah. yeah. And um, that's it. But, you know, best of luck to him. Oh, yeah. Um, there's probably going to be a DVD and all the usual stuff on it. But um, I do hope to get it together for one new song. I think that'll be a nice addition to the set. Right, yeah. And, uh, you know, that's it. More reunions. <laughs> At least Axel Rose must be busy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe they'll just have one other last one too. Where they'll go out and it'll be like them, and then it'll be like Paul Stanley singing, trying to sing all this stuff from the '80s, and then Vince oh. Neil trying to sing anything. It'll just be a crippled bill of horrible vocals. Yeah, Paul Stanley trying to sing stuff off Crazy Nights. Yeah, I'll fight hell to hold you or my way. He's certainly doing it his way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, you seen the set list for the Kiss tour? No, I'm sure it's the same as the last tour. Yeah, I've, I've seen the show already in the f- last three or four yeah. years. <laughs> but it's Kiss. Can't say anything bad about Kiss. All right, if you say so. <laughs> On the show this week, got Mike Portnoy, finally. 
Finally. It yeah, took this- you months to get this one all straightened out. I don't know how many near misses there were, like maybe five or so. Uh, <laughs> I don't think there was that many. There was He was on tour over here when the album came out, Hot yeah. Streak. Couldn't get it to work out um, for various reasons. Yeah. yeah. Um, then we've, they went to Europe. Yeah. And there was a different PR person over there, and they tried, um, and it just never happened. Yeah. And the PR person over here, she's brilliant, actually. I wish oh, she yeah. was a PR person yeah. for all the bands we do. <laughs> but um, she contacted me. Yeah. And said, look, I can still get Portnoy for you if you want. Because yeah. she knew I was looking for him. And yeah. I was like, holy shit. Because normally I have to chase them. Yeah, nobody like, follows up like yeah. that. And she was, yeah, I can get Portnoy. Two weeks ago, she arranged it, gave me the number, get, sent me all the links to all the videos. The al- of course, we had the album anyway. Right. Oh, yeah. It's been out since last year. And um, she sent me all the info and everything, phone number, the whole lot. And uh, when we called Mike, Mike was on the other end waiting to go. Yeah. And I'm thinking, wow, I wish it was all like this. I know. No, we had a technical glitch in the middle. Yeah. But, um, you know, to schedule this thing eventually. Yeah. I know it took a while, but when it actually happened, it was like, clockwork yeah it's yeah. fantastic yeah so great interview i think you guys will enjoy it we kind of went all over the place with mike and uh which is kind of the usual right i mean the guy does a ton of stuff so lots now, to talk about the only thing we didn't get to talk about was um his 50th birthday bash he's doing the 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 sweet you know the the songs he did for his sobriety on all the dream theater albums yeah he's going to do them actually as part of a set huh. uh, but i didn't get to that yeah um, some of the listeners sent, you know, I said on Facebook that I was interviewing Mike and I got some of their questions in. Yeah. Uh, no, I couldn't get all of them in. We only yeah. had half an hour. Yeah. And um, it was just, yeah, it was nice to talk to Mike. Nice, you know, finally, yeah. like I've been a fan of his drumming for years. He's yeah. a fucking brilliant drummer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's, and the Winery Dogs are, uh, you know, good band. Yeah. I've seen them live and it's place the Tupelo Music Hall holds mm-hmm. 200 people. Right. And uh, it was just mind-blowing stuff to treat them. They encored with Shy Boy and I was like, oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. You know, but, but um, Mike's busy. Again, yeah. six bands, seven bands. Yeah, six bands. Could, could be yeah. eight eight today. Could I don't be, know. yeah. But um, yeah, we touched on, you know, Twisted Sister, Winery Dogs, drums. Uh, didn't really get into a sobriety that much. Yeah. At all, if at all, actually. No, we didn't. Uh, which is okay. I know he's talked about it a lot, but um, yeah, you know, yeah, just great to talk to. Now we've that's Richie and Mike. We've talked to right. So maybe the next time we'll get Billy on talk to Billy. Maybe. So All right, it might yeah. take a while. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well let's uh, let's roll it, and uh, guys can enjoy our chat we had with uh, the one and only Mike Portnoy. This is a test of the emergency metal broadcast system. If this had been an actual metal emergency, you would have been instructed to don your nearest black t-shirt, throw the horns, and bang your head until the metal emergency had passed. We now return you back to your metal programming. One second, I gotta go outside. Yeah, sure. Hang on. All right. All right, Mike. Loud at a rock concert? No way. <laughs> how you doing? I'm good. I'm here with my co-host Scott. Hey, Mike. How are we doing this Saturday? Good. Doing good. So, where, where in the states are you? Just are you today? I am in uh, Hazard, Kentucky. All right. I'm looking for Daisy Duke. I haven't found her yet. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, you ever had one of those spinal tap moments where you, you're in a city and you're like, where am I? Every single day. <laughs> my, mine goes even worse. Mine, mine is not only where am I, I'm like, mine is uh, what band am I with today? Oh, come on. Can't be that bad. <laughs> well, six bands. So okay. I guess it's, uh, yeah, that's easy enough to keep track of, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. You're a professional, you know? I'll rise above. There you go. Yeah. Well, awesome. It's great to finally get to talk to you, Mike. I know we've been back and forth with a few PR people trying to hook up with you. And obviously, long time, big fan of your playing. Um, in fact, I'm the guy that owns your uh, Mexico City bass drum heads from your uh, Metal Allegiance show. So, uh, long time oh, fans. Oh, wow. Right on, man. So, so now you know who's, who, which bastard got those. That would be me. So, uh, uh, so you can tell on. everybody that I gave you head. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, you're on to me. All right. Yeah, so, Mike, you were in um, Brazil a couple of months ago, and, of course, you got the Zika virus going on down there, and people are pulling out of the Olympics. Uh, have you ever gone anywhere where you feared for your, your health and safety? Uh, feared for my health and safety because of uh, getting ill or because of... Uh, the, econ the economy or, or anything like that, where you've gone in to do a show and you're like, oh, I'm a little bit wary about the, the way it is here at the moment. Well, you kind of have to be like that everywhere these days i mean you know you look at what recently happened in orlando and what happened in paris and what happened to Dimebag and what happened to randy blythe and czech republic so uh you know you're not safe anywhere these days uh so yeah but especially in you know south america it's um there's a lot of dangerous areas down there and when you go down there you have to carry security with you and um yeah, you know, but it, like I said, it's 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 everywhere these days. You know, you would think that playing a, a club in Orlando would be a dangerous place. Yeah, right? true. Uh, right. You know, the, the Bataclan in Paris. You know, where where the tragedy happened last year. I've played that venue many, many, many times. Recorded a live Dream Theater album in that room. So you know, I, you know, every day you kind of have to be careful these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. agreed. And of course. You know, you you know, you talk about being in six bands, and I know you you're. It's a I don't I don't know I don't, you don't even know how you can keep your schedule like that's going to be crazy stuff. But I know you you just got back right last week from doing uh, from doing Bloodstock, correct? No, Bloodstock is uh, next month. Um, but I just did a, a run of festivals with Twisted Sister um, in Europe. We did Grass Pop in Belgium. We did Hellfest in France. We did Sweden Rock in Sweden. Nova Rock in Austria, in Austria. So, uh, and in between the, the festivals with Twisted Sister, I've been doing uh, shows with the Winery Dog. So I've literally been um, flying back and forth every day between the two bands. Yeah. So, how do you balance the, the work life with the family life, Mike? If you're on the road so often. Uh, well, I've been with my wife now for 27 years, and um, you know, people ask, "How do you keep that together in, in this crazy business?" and the, the way it's worked for me is I never divided the two. I know a lot of people separate the two and I've never been like that. I've always welcomed my wife and my kids and family on tour with me anytime they want. Um, all those years in dream theater, you know, all of the guys had families. So we would have a family bus and everybody was welcome to bring their families at any time. And that's how it works for me. I, I just include them, uh, you know, whenever they want to be. And, uh, you know, as a result, you know, they've traveled all around the world with me, and my son is now a drummer himself because he was brought up in that environment. But that's how it works for me. And uh, and then the time that I'm away from home, to be honest, it, it actually works for me and my wife because, 
you know, absence makes the heart grow, fo- grow fonder. And I think, you know, if I was home all the time, we'd make each other absolutely nuts. But the fact that I'm away as much as I am actually works to our advantage and strengthens our relationship. Yeah, yeah, def- definitely a good point. I know that uh, yeah, with myself and my wife, if uh, if we didn't work opposite shifts, yeah, we probably still wouldn't be married because I don't know anyone can actually deal with living with me seven days a week. So, yeah, I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the same. Yeah, so, Mike, are you someone, when you're on the road, who who likes to get out and visit the cities you're in and do sightseeing, or not do you just prefer all. not at all? No, not at all. I spend so much so much time on the road and on the move that when I finally get to a hotel room, I just want to sit there, order room service and watch some movies or, or binge a TV show. Uh, and I've been doing this. I've been on the road pretty consistently for about 25 years at this point. So I've been to all these places, you know, dozens and hundreds of times. So, you know, maybe the first couple of years I would get out and, you know, go see the Eiffel Tower or go see, you know, whatever is, the, you know, the local attraction. But at this point, I've been doing it for so many years that that um, that peace and quiet in my hotel room is that is to me the ultimate day off. Nice. Yeah. So, of course, this is how the split out goes on the show, Mike, is that is that Richie is the big winery dogs fan and I am the absolute metal allegiance lunatic. So this is this is how it splits out. I'm, <laughs> I like. Hey, hang on. Yeah, I no, like metal allegiance, too. Nah, you stop. I didn't buy the bass drum heads, well, though. That's right. You didn't buy <laughs> the bass drum doing. heads. That's why I do what I do, so I can have a little bit of something for everyone. There you go. And you do. And, uh, and of course, uh, you know, it's great to hear that, you know, Metal Allegiance is still strong. And uh, you guys have been keeping us on strings with the whole, you know, maybe a nice announcement this weekend and stuff. And uh, so, obviously, it sounds like it's still going really, really strong with that band. Well, Metal Allegiance is, it's... It has to be a part-time thing Mm. just because everybody is so busy with their full-time bands. I'm out with the Winery Dogs and Twisted Sister and David Ellison's out with Megadeth and Alex is out with Testament. Uh, So because everybody's in other full-time bands, um, you know, we have no choice but to delegate it to more part-time status and we can only do sporadic shows here and there. Um, uh, Metal Allegiance will be at Bloodstock next month, and uh, we also have a possible South American date or tour, possibly even coming in uh, October. So there might be an announcement for that soon. But basically, we we kind of just have to pick and choose uh, special dates here and there whenever we can. You know, there are a lot of us, so the the, the lineup is constantly rotating. And uh, you know, if I can't do it, then Charlie Benante will do it, or if. Uh, you know, if Mark Asagata can't do it, then we'll have Chuck Billy do it. You know, we have rotating singers and guitar players and bass players and drummers. So, you know, the lineup each and every time you see the band is different. You know, it's one thing to see a band where the set list is different every show. But in this case, the band is different every show, uh, which keeps it interesting for the fans, too. Yeah. Mike, I want to ask you um, about the winery dogs. Um, they've been pretty successful. Like, has the level of success for the band surprised you at all? It's been by far my most successful um, post-Dream Theater band. I mean, I, I, I have uh, Flying Colors and I have Transatlantic and the Neil Morse Band and Metal Allegiance uh, and I did Adrenaline Mob, but it seems that the Winery Dogs has taken off uh, the biggest and the quickest of them all. Um, I guess I can attribute that to the fact that what we do is is pretty universally um you know, uh, digestible, you know, it's straight ahead rock with uh, great 
vocals and good songs. You know, it's not, you know, these 20 minute prog epics or it's not, you know, thrash metal or uh, it's something that I guess everybody can kind of enjoy. And I think therefore it's, it's done really well. And everywhere we go, you know, the shows are sold out and everybody just loves this band. And, and, uh, of everything I've done since dream theater, this has been the one that has really taken on a life of its own and, you know, become a, a real band. Yeah. Now, of course, everyone knows that like Billy Sheen is one of the best bass players on the planet, but you've played with the guy. So how does he challenge you as a drummer when you play with him live? Oh, I love playing with Billy. I mean, he, uh, he and I are very similar type players. Um, whereas, uh, you know, we both, like flying off the seat of our pants and we never play the same fill or riff twice. You know, every night, every night, the solos are different every night, the fills and the riffs and the, you know, everything is just spontaneous. The both of us play that way. Uh, we're both very much into performing on stage and being very animated. Um, but there's times where, you know, he and I are just completely improvising fills or whatever. And we'll, and we will just be, completely tight and completely in sync. We'll play the same exact thing without ever even discussing it. You know, we just look at each other and crack up laughing because it's just amazing how the two of us are just, you know, just tied like, like glue. And, uh, it reminds me very much of, uh, the, the Keith Moon, John Entwistle type of relationship or dynamic, you mm -hmm. know, that kind of rhythm section where it's just, just, going the whole time and when you see the winery dogs it's it's like a three ring circus you could watch any one of the three of us and you'll definitely be entertained yeah yeah that that is cool you know you talk about that and having that kind of that almost a mind meld with with billy and and i know my my own experience playing with drummers too and that is so cool when that happens and uh it, it just makes for just an you know just like this incredible show and and uh it's like yeah. the best high you could ever have is like that kind of intensity yeah, I love playing with him. I mean, he's as far as I'm concerned, he's the the Jimi Hendrix of bass, and he completely redefined the instrument. And I, you know, I I was a fan of his before we were friends and before we were playing together. Uh, so for me, it's it's you know it's an honor to be in a band with him. Yeah, and and obviously, you know, when you're playing with with Winery, it looks like you are usually have a, a much smaller kid as well. Do you have to uh, did you have to adapt to playing with the, the smaller kid, or is it just like yeah, no brainer? Did you just go out and do it? That's easy. I mean, I like being able to have different kits for the different bands I play with. So mm -hmm. each and every band is a, a different setup. And when we first came out with the winery doors, I was playing a super small kit just because I really wanted to do the polar opposite of what I had been known for with Dream Theater for all those years. Mm. Uh, so I had a super scaled down five piece kit. Now this time around on the Hot Street Tour, I'm building it up a little bit. I got a double bass kit again and a few more toms and a few more cymbals. So it's slowly building back up. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like having that different you know, set up an environment with, with each band I play with. It, it, it inspires me to try different things. Yeah. Yeah. It's always interesting watching your kids evolve. And, and, uh, you know, when my, my daughter plays drums and when we went out and bought her first kit that day, I bought her, bought her the kit. And at the same time, you happen to be featured in one of the drum magazines. So her first thing after getting her first kit was like looking at your layout of like the massive, <laughs> or massive kit. And it's like, you know, Hunter, sorry about it, that. <laughs> <laughs> no, because the thing is, I'm a gearhead, too. So it's kind of like, all right, if I'm buying drums and cymbals, it's like I, I, I'm, I'm just as enthused as if I'm buying, buying effects, pedals and amps and guitars and stuff. And and just, uh, just show her my show her my Hello Kitty video and you'll be off the hook. <laughs> <laughs> 
but uh but you know you continue to inspire just just watching her look at that look at her kit and stuff and and uh, now she's been playing for uh geez now it's probably about 10 12 years and uh she, you're still like one of her favorite drummers uh, just even from that first oh, day of you. getting that kit through everything you've done uh and so i think it's it's cool that you you inspire no matter what it is you're doing and and like you said, you've got six different bands, you've got something for everybody, and I'm sure that that inspiration is being spread around probably more than you even know. I appreciate that, man. I, you know, I, uh, I, I win all these awards and everything, and I don't look at those things as um, uh, tokens of any kind of uh, ability. Hmm. I look at them more like just uh, some sort of uh, memento of, of, you know, touching or reaching or moving young drummers, uh, you know, for, with what I do. And, yeah. uh, you know, what I do is, is about making music with, with other musicians and bands and playing songs. And, you know, I'm just a music fanatic right. that happens to play drums. And, uh, you know, if I connect with people and, and, uh, they get it, then that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that shows through too. I think the fact that, you know, people really do appreciate the fact that you are, like you said, a music fanatic. And I think that also imparts something a little bit different to your drumming as well, that you're not just playing a beat, but you're actually like living that music as you're doing it. Well, to me, I mean, I, I've never been the sort of drummer that like cares about technique or, or the, you know, people and while we wait for Mike Portnoy to call us back, why don't we dig into a little bit of winery dogs? Yeah, I don't know what happened yeah, there, Mike. Lost on that end. Yeah, I so don't know good. what happened. <laughs> technical technical problems. Yeah. Yeah, so I, w I want to ask you a question. You're, we were talking a little bit about kits. Have you ever wanted to sit behind Rick Allen's kit and try your hand at that? <laughs> try, no pun intended. No, no. I, actually, it's only when you said it there, I was like, oh, God. <laughs> well, you said hand. You didn't say hand. I said, yeah, I said hand singular, yeah. 
I would probably, I would probably suck on that kid. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for what he, what he did, uh, you know, overcoming that, that obstacle and building that kid. That's pretty amazing. Um, yeah, I, I would probably suck on it though. I, I, I've never been into electronic drums, but, um, the fact that he's able to play that kid the way he does is pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. I've been fortunate to play lots of other famous kids though. I've played some of Neil Peart's kids and I've played some of Terry Bozio's kids and, uh, R- Ringo's kit. And, uh, you know, I have a bunch of replica kids at, at home. I have a John Bonham replica and a Keith Moon replica. So yeah, I, I love like, you know, when I was a kid, you talk about how your daughter was looking at magazines and pictures of drums. That's the way I was when I was a kid. While all my friends were looking at Playboy Playmates and Santa Pauls, I was looking at like all the, 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 the gear ads in Modern Drummer magazine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely, whenever I get the Sweetwater Pro Gear catalog, it comes in the mail, and I always go to my wife and go, oh, my porn's here. She just laughs. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I don't play anything, Mike. <laughs> so he saves a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, Mike, who, who's the biggest influence for you that's not a drummer? Oh, uh, I would say either Frank Zappa or Stanley Kubrick. Uh, you know, uh, one one is, uh, you know, my ultimate musical hero, Frank Zappa, and he wasn't a drummer. Well, technically, I guess he was a drummer. He, he played all sorts of instruments. Uh, but, you know, of, of any musician that's not a drummer, um, he he is my biggest hero of all time, and uh, somebody that just had a tremendous impact on on what I do, and uh, Stanley Kubrick for for film and just for you know for art in general, just because I'm a as much of a film fanatic as I am a music fanatic as well. Yeah. So, like, what, what new drummers are out there that that inst- still inspire you to play? I know you've like you, you list off the Bonhams and the Parrots and all them, but what new guys inspire you? Uh, there's a guy named Zoltan Cheney. Oh, if you look him up on YouTube. Ben Sneal's band, isn't he? Exactly, yeah. and he he is one of the craziest showmen I've ever seen. He's also a sweetheart of a guy, and we've become good friends. But uh, he's just, it's like drum aerobics. And, uh, you know, I could just watch him for hours. He blows my mind. And, you know, I say this all the time, and it's the truth. I would much rather watch a drummer like that, that, that is entertaining and puts a smile on your face, than any of these technical drummers that win all these drum wars and you know they have all this speed and dexterity and technique and can do all these different uh, you know uh, you know rudiments and things like that and to me that's boring and I, I i'm really not interested in that aspect of drumming i would much rather watch somebody like zoltan or, or keith moon or even lars ulrich for all the, the the heat that he gets you know he's entertaining to watch and to me that's just as important as the technique you know i i'd like to see a drummer that puts a smile on my face and makes me want to play drums Right. Yeah, I think if, if you got musicians that are technically gifted, but the songs aren't there, people aren't going to care after like five or ten minutes. No, it's boring. It's like watching a, a scientist or, a, you know, a, I don't know. I, I would rather watch a drummer that makes me want to play drums rather than a drummer that makes me want to quit drums. <laughs> yeah. So we've talked to a lot of drummers, Mike, and uh, we're actually we're based about 30 miles outside of Boston. So uh, if you can't tell by my accent, but um in all that time of talking to all the drummers that have even been around Boston or been through Boston, only one of them so far, Rod Morgenstein, ever remembered Jack's drums. Do you ever remember? Do you remember Jack's drums? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I was at Berkeley in 85, 86. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, Jax was right around the corner. Yeah. Is that yeah. correct, right? Yeah, just, yeah, just yeah. like the big main building. If you walked across the street and like down the hill a little bit, it was right there on the exactly. left. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Awesome. So now this too, you, you and Rod remember it and that's yeah. it. But did you ever go in there at all and just like, you know, do any jamming yeah. with people? Oh God. I mean, I was at Berkeley over 30 years ago. So, uh, the, you know, the specifics are foggy, but, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, back then, obviously I didn't have endorsement deals or anything like that. So I had to buy my gear. So, yeah. you know, I would spend time going into the drum shops and, you know, having to buy stuff and look at stuff and, you know, uh, and that was the shop right there, right? You know, right across the, right down the, 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 the block. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I've described that to people and no one can really could ever understand what I was talking about, but it was, it was like, you know, no matter what little tiny piece of ridiculous hardware you needed, you'd go in there and they'd be like, Oh yeah, we think we got that. It was like amazing. You know, you'd be like trying to refurbish a, uh, you know, a metal sneer from the forties and you'd need some right. small trap attachment. You go down, they'd be like, Oh yeah, we got that. And it's like, you're kidding me. Yep. Yeah. I, I tell you, well, I miss that God place. Thank God for shops like that. Yeah. I mean, like I bought my first drum set from the Long Island drum center on Long Island and, you know, thank God for, for shops like that. Yeah. Um, and there, there are less and less of them these days because of all the online shopping, which is, you know, it's convenient for the consumer, but it, it really sucks for the for the shop owners. Yeah, yeah, because now you go by Berkeley now, and and it's like, like where's all the stores? I mean, there's just all you got is right. the big chain store now there, and there's no there's no little brass stores anymore. There's nothing. Well, Daddy Daddy's Junkie Music too, which is a a great chain that that was also across the street from Berkeley, mm -hmm. and they had a they had shops all throughout the Northeast. They and, did. You know, they've they've closed down through the years, which is really sad too because I've, I've done so many clinics with them mm -hmm. uh you know in the 90s and then you know that kind of support for local musicians is really important to have a place where you could buy gear and talk gear and see clinics and you know they're fewer and fewer and less and less these days which is sad there are yeah i, I spent a lot of time in daddy's myself and uh, you, you're right they did a they did a lot of stuff there they had a great store down there by berkeley and uh you know great mm -hmm. flagship store up in manchester i'm sure you must have done clinics up at the manchester one and uh, yep. yeah Good mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, so, so Mike, final question for me before we let you go. Um, I nearly always ask all the drummers this. Um, have you ever had any drum-related injuries? And as you've gotten older, has your preparation for a tour changed at all? The worst injury I had was uh, I was on stage in Munich, Germany in 1997. And it was the last song of the set. And I just bit off more than I could chew with this fill. And just went for it, went to play the fastest fill of <laughs> ever. And I, all of a sudden I felt this sharp pain in, in my right wrist. And I, I assumed it was just a muscle cramp, but I looked down and my wrist was completely, um, what is it called? It was snapped backwards. It was like literally the palm of my hand was facing up towards me it was completely dislocated uh, and i just turned blue and and i stopped dead in my tracks and uh panicked and and my drum tech had to knock my my wrist back in place and put it into a bucket of ice in order to finish the show and then of course i went to the hospital and and had it you know fixed and i had to wear a brace for the rest of the tour but i mean that was a a lesson that you know you, you gotta be careful when you're playing drums. It's a physical instrument and, and, uh, you know, your body is, is the instrument. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, since then, now I, I try to properly warm up and do exercises, you know, for at least 30 minutes or so before showtime. And, uh, you know, I also get regularly, I get massaged regularly and go, go to the chiropractor regularly and get adjusted. And all that kind of stuff has helped me as I'm getting older. I mean, I'm going to be 50 in April, so I'm not getting any younger. And my body, you know, I'm, it's taking a beating playing in six different bands and not only the drumming, but the constant traveling and things like that. It takes its toll on your body. So, you know, yeah. you got to take care of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you there. And, uh, of course, I got to ask now, how's, how's it been like uh, playing with Twisted Sister? It's been amazing. Over in Europe, they are, um, they are regarded uh, as the legends they are, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, they're now celebrating their 40th anniversary with Dee in the band. And, uh, you know, I, I can appreciate their history because I grew up on Long Island. So, right. you know, I knew about them for a good solid 10 years before the rest of the world discovered them with those MTV videos in the 80s. Mm-hmm. You know, they had already been around for 10 years at that point. Uh, But over in Europe, they're headlining these festivals, you know, side by side with Black Sabbath and Metallica and Iron Maiden. You know, they're held in that same regard over there. So to be headlining these huge festivals to 50, 60, 80,000 people a night, you know, playing with these guys, it's 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 been a total honor and a total blast. Yeah, having a great time. Be fair to say, Mike, that the biggest fan in the venue is behind the kit. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, Mike. Well, thanks so much for taking a little bit of your Saturday away to talk to us. And uh, I know it's we've kind of missed connections probably, uh, I don't know, half a dozen times yeah, yeah. over the last few months. But uh, uh, I'm glad we're finally able to do it. And uh, hopefully we'll be uh, able to see you out live uh, on a tour with somebody somewhere very soon. Yep. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm planning, awesome. Mike, Thank on you, I'm planning going down to that Lakewood show in, uh, is it in September, Twisted Sister? So I'm really looking forward to that. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, anyway, Mike, have a good show tonight and uh, have a nice July Thank 4th you weekend. All right, Mike. Thank you. All, All right. right. Take care, Mike. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye.
you have it, our conversation with the one and only Mike Portnoy. With the amount of ground you could cover with that guy, six bands, all his history, all of that, I mean, it's almost impossible to book all that in within a half-hour time frame. So uh, hopefully we at least touched on a bit of what everybody wanted to hear about from uh, from Mike. One thing that I didn't get to touch on with Mike, because it hadn't been announced yet, was that uh, Metal Allegiance has gone back in the studio, and they are putting out an EP called The Fallen Heroes EP, dedicated to... Uh, a lot of our music heroes that have fallen this year, including, of course, the one and only Lemmy Kilmister. They even have some guest vocals happening with Alyssa White Glues from Arch Enemy. So that uh, that EP, the Fallen Heroes EP, is scheduled to drop for Metal Allegiance in August. So be on the lookout for that one. And if you want to read up more on that, you can head up to focusedonmetal.blogspot.com. I put a post about the whole album, who's on it, the whole deal. So uh, head up there and find out all about the Fallen Heroes EP from Metal Allegiance. So I'm looking at all the audio that we have in the vaults here from the last few weeks, and I'm almost thinking it's going to be a summer of drummers here because uh, several other drummer interviews have been recorded, lined up, ready to air. But I'm thinking that maybe we take a break from the drummer for next week and delve into a killer guitar player instead. I know that we're still a few weeks away from the release of the new Dead Daisies disc, and usually we tend to run interviews with artists who just had a disc out either the week that it's coming out or the, you know, just a week or two afterwards. But I'm going to make an exception this time. Richie and I had a great conversation with the one and only Doug Aldrich. Always a really nice guy to talk to. Hopefully this will not be his last appearance here on Focus on Metal. So I'm thinking that the plan for next week is to roll that one out for you. Get you all prepped for the new Dead Daisies release on August 5th. So while you're waiting for next week's episode, uh, remember to uh, keep up with us at focusonmetal.net focusonmetal.blogspot.com you can hit up Richie on Facebook you can hit up me on Twitter and of course you're always welcome to shoot us an email at shout at focusonmetal.net but for now that is a wrap for this week so for Richie, myself and everybody here at Focus on Metal as always have yourselves a great metal week and until we talk to you again next week remember Focus on Metal everything else is insignificant. Still here? It's over. Go home.